Cultural Amnesia Written and read by Clive James In the forty years it took me to write this book, I only gradually realised that the finished work, if it were going to be true to the pattern of my experience, would have no pattern. It would be organised like the top of my desk, from which the last assistant I hired to sort it out has yet to reappear. The book I wanted to write had its origins in the books I was reading. Several times in my early days I had to sell my best books to buy food, so I never underlined anything. When conditions improved, I became less fastidious. Not long after I began marking passages for future consideration, I also began keeping notes in the margin beside the markings, and then longer notes on the end papers. Those were the very means by which Montaigne invented the modern essay, and at first I must have had an essay of my own in mind, a single line of argument moving through selected perceptions to a neat conclusion. In the short term, many of my annotations went into book reviews and pieces for periodicals, but there were always annotations that struck me as not fitting any scheme except a much larger one, to be attempted far in the future probably towards the end of my life. By the time that terminus was in clear sight, however, I had begun to live with the possibility that there could be no scheme. There could only be a linear cluster of nodal points, working the way the mind, or at any rate my mind, such as it is, works as it moves through time, a trail of clarities variously illuminating a dark sea of unrelenting turbulence, like the phosphorescent wake of a phantom ship. Far from a single argument, there would be scores of arguments. I wanted to write about philosophy, history, politics, and the arts all at once, and about what had happened to those things during the course of the multiple catastrophes into whose second principal outburst, World War I was the first, I had been born in 1939, and which continued to shake the world as I grew to adulthood. Modern history had given us enough warning against treating simplifications as real. The totalitarian states, the great sponsors of mass atrocity against innocent human beings, had been propelled by ideologies, and what else was an ideology except a premature synthesis? As the time for assembling my reflections approached, I resolved that a premature synthesis was the thing to be avoided. So this is a book about how not to reach one. In the nineteenth century, despite the contrary evidence already provided by the French Revolution, Studia Humanitatis was still thought of as an unmixed blessing. If the eighteenth century had meant to usher in the age of reason, the nineteenth century, with the cold snick of the guillotine ringing in its ears, meant to supply some of the regrettable deficiencies of reason by the addition of science. Apart from the prophets, Dickens, despite his inborn optimism, was one of them, few people with any aspirations to a philosophical view doubted that the extension of human knowledge would produce a race of the enlightened to lead a life of mathematically calculable justice. By now, after the twentieth century has done its cruel work, that is exactly what we doubt. The future of science can be assessed from our past, in which it flattened cities and gathered.